Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. I'm the author of Visualizing Happiness in Every Area of Life and the host of this podcast, Incredible Life Creator. And today my guest is Ellen, Ellen Violette. Ellen Violette is a Grammy-nominated songwriter and three-time award-winning book coach, including being named one of the top 20 book coaches of 2022 by Coach Foundation. She helps high-achieving trainers, coaches, speakers, and founders write a professional non-fiction book, make it a number one bestseller, and use it to make a bigger impact, more money, and leave a lasting legacy. Her company, Books Open Doors, also offers ghostwriting and publishing services to make getting a book out as easy as possible for her clients. Ellen has more than 17 years experience and is the author of nine books, including five number one bestsellers. And she wrote with Jim Edwards and she is a contributor to four more international bestsellers. She's also a former regular contributor to Publishing Magazine. Welcome to the podcast, Ellen. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I know you have had quite a journey. You just didn't start out being an author and a, and a coach. So why don't you tell us about your journey and you know where you started? Well, I always knew that I wanted to write a book someday. And I know there are a lot of people out there who feel that way. You know, they're going to do it someday. And for me, I got a big wake up call because I got very sick and I almost died. And I, I was already actually going to a holistic MD at the time and they just did not know what to do with me. I lost 30 pounds in a month and I was fading away and everything was toxic in my body. And my husband said, I am not letting you die. And he got on the internet and he found this doctor and she explained exactly what I was going through. And she had gone through it as well. And it was called environmental illness. And it's when you become toxic to everything. Like I couldn't handle food and chemicals and perfumes and all kinds of things. And so I wanted to become a patient of hers, but she was no longer seeing patients. Luckily, she had written a book. And that book was called Detox or Die. And that book saved my life. So if you ever doubt the power of a book, you can literally save lives by writing a book. And at that point, the second wake up call in that for me was, oh my God, I don't know how much time I have. I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. And I thought I'd better start writing a book. But like so many people, I didn't, I didn't know what to write about. I, I didn't have a business at that point. I had been in the music business for 20 years. And then um, I had a world-class recording studio in the house that I grew up in, but my parents both passed away and I had to sell the house. So I lost my studio. And in order to sell the house and get any money out of it, we actually had to fix it. So my husband and I did that. It took us about a year. And then we sold it right as the market was taking off in the 90s and moved down to San Diego from Los Angeles and bought a place down here and it, everything started going up here and we were not making any money at all in our prospective businesses. And we thought, well, hell, we're making money with real estate, so let's keep making money with real estate. So we did that for a while until the market got too hot and there was nothing left to buy. We couldn't get financing. And so we ended up taking a property management job back in Los Angeles. And that's when I got online and was like, okay, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And so I started looking around to see what was available. Like so many authors or experts, I was scared um, of getting a publishing, trying to get a publishing deal. I knew the rejection rate was high and I had no clue how to do a book proposal. And I really didn't like the idea of getting a, a publishing deal anyway, because I'd been in the music business for 20 years and we made like 10 cents a record and everybody else made all the money. <laughs> and so I was a huge and am a huge proponent of the creative person getting the money for what they do. And so I started looking around and I found eBooks 
and this was 2004. And some people were saying ebooks are dead. I'm like, ebooks are not dead. I mean, Kindle hadn't even come in yet, but um, but I had the vision to see that that was not going to go away. And I got online and I found a New York Times bestselling author and I signed up for a consultation with him. And I said, do you think I'm crazy to do this? Am I good enough? You know, I think that's something a lot of authors, you know, and experts think, you know, am I good enough to write a book? Will it be good? Will it, you know, is it worth it? And he said, oh, your writing is great. All you have to do is start sending stuff out on spec. And I was like, oh God, no. That's what I did for 20 years in the, in the music business. And I mean, I literally had one A&R person say to me and my husband in a meeting, my job is to say no, and your job is to tell me why I should say yes. And then they would play you these songs that artists had written that would never get uh, picked up by an outside songwriter and say, write me something like this. And you're like, oh, seriously, you know, so, and if people think rejection is a big deal um, with book writing, try being a songwriter because it's way harder way harder but anyway so I um at that point I, I said okay well I don't really want to do that and then I found ebooks and I was like this is amazing I can write books and I can put them online digitally and I can get directly to my audience and I don't there are no gatekeepers and nobody can tell me I can't do this that's the most amazing thing since white bread and so I said that's what I'm going to do and so then the next thing was, well, what am I going to write about? You know, I didn't have a business. So as I said, we'd been buying, fixing and selling houses and we were living in them. So we, I think I said that, but anyway, so we were moving every six months. I did a lot of moving <laughs> in those years. And so the movers kept saying to me, oh my God, you've gotten so good at moving. You're so organized. So my first book I wrote about moving and I made, oh, I made every mistake that, beginning writers make. Um, my title was horrible. And I, at that point, Dan Pointer was alive. He's no longer with us, but he was the big publishing guy at the time. And I ran my title by him and he was like, oh, this is boring. And not only is it boring, but I had like 22 steps. It's like, nobody wants 22 steps. So, and it was like how to organize your move to save time, money, and your sanity. Well, as it turned out, that ended up being my subtitle to the final book but um but the book ended up being called at that time the moving cure and they had me decked out as a doctor you know a doctor's thing on the cover and all that and i was taking a publicity class i was learning how to do internet marketing at that point and my coach said oh well you should become the moving doctor and i said shoot me <laughs> not in, not interested not interested even one tiny little bit so uh, anyway, but my skill that I did, I knew that I knew how to write well. And so I thought, okay, well, how am I going to make a living? I, you know, that was the first thing. And I thought, okay, well, I'll start doing copy for people. So I was doing brochures and web copy and that kind of thing. I started out as a copywriter. And I quickly became disillusioned with the whole thing. You know, time for money, but worse than that, people wanting to love the copy rather than does the copy sell, mm -hmm. right? And so the crowning blow was I had this um, attorney as a client and his website was all about him. And I told him, it's not about you. It's about what you can do for your client. And we redid the whole thing. And when I came back to take a picture, he had taken it all apart and gone right back to being all about him. And I said, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with this. So, and that's a mistake that so many people make. You know, they want it to be about them or even, you know, writing a book. Oh, I'm going to write what I want to write. And then they're disappointed when it doesn't sell because they're not writing what their audience wants to buy. So that doesn't mean you can't write something that you love writing, but you have to find that sweet spot between what they want and what you want to say. And what problem do you solve that they're like in a hurry to buy so all of those elements have to be there so anyway so we started going to internet marketing uh conferences and the big one back then was the big seminar i don't know if you were mm -hmm. around back then but anyway so we went to the big seminar 
And at this point, I was kind of in the middle of writing that first book and it was getting to the point where it was going to be a real grind. You know, it was going on and on. It was a boring topic. Um, I was finding it difficult to get the information that I needed to do it properly. And so I started looking for an ebook coach and there weren't any. It's like, I can't believe it. There's nobody teaching books that also understands like the digital side of it. And so I thought, well, first of all, I ended up hiring a regular coach and that was like a kind of a disaster. I mean, it was like, it was expensive. He didn't have a system. Uh, it was, it, it gave me support, but it, that was it, you know, it didn't give me the other things I needed. And I thought, this is right up my alley. I mm -hmm. could do this. I could do this. So I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And so that became, and at this point I was like, so ready to stop writing that book. I was so ready to give up. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to be the ebook coach, then I got to finish the book because I can't tell people to write a book and not finish this book. So I finished the book, but I made another mistake that so many authors make. I didn't publish the book. I never published that book <laughs> because what happened was one of the uh, chapters that was going to be in there was about pets, what to do with your pets, because that was some of the feedback I got back was you don't have anything about pets. So I had hired somebody to do that. And then she got it in her mind that I was going to make all this money. And she started getting really nuts about contracts and, you know, who was going to make what and all this kind of stuff. And I could see it was going to be a big problem. And so I dumped her. And then um, I went to somebody else. And so much time had gone by, I just basically lost interest at that point. And, it was, and at that point, I also knew this wasn't what I was going to do as a business. So I didn't really care. And, and I spent a whole ton of money on it. I mean, that's one of the things, like if you don't have, like I teach nonfiction writing. So, and, and it's for people who have a business and want to be um, the go-to person, you know, in their business, they want to be, they want to get on bigger stages. They want more authority. And so they, they, and they know they need a book to do that. So those are the kind of people that get the most benefit from writing a book, in my opinion. So, um, but a lot of people, you know, they just start writing a book and I, I kind of got off the topic. I don't remember exactly what mm -hmm. I was saying, but anyway, so uh, anyway, that's what happened. And I became the first ebook coach really at that point. But then I was taking this other course called tell little course called tell seminar secrets. And that was the big course back then. We didn't have video. We didn't mm -hmm. have blogs. We didn't have um, we still had code, you know, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So I was spending a lot of money on support because I couldn't do any, anything hardly, you know, I would get on and do teleseminars. And even with that, I mean, like so many people, I remember my early ones were horrible. <laughs> they were terrible. I mean, I would literally write out a script and read it, you know? <laughs> and I remember when I started to get better and somebody said, oh my God, you've gotten so much better. And it's like, yay, <laughs> yay. You know, and, and my mentor from that course, Tell Us In Our Secrets, Alex Nijessian used to say, you know, as you keep doing it, you'll remember more and more and you'll get better and better and it'll become more easily and, and you'll improve. But it's like, oh, it's so, it can be so painful in the beginning. And, you know, for some people writing a book is the same way. I mean, it can be painful for them if they don't know what they're doing, if they don't have good support, if they don't have a good system to do it. And that's why I said, I mean, the first time I did it, I mean, I wrote a great book. I mean, I look at it now. I mean, it was masterful. It was beautiful. It was, you know, perfectly laid out. It was just expensive for something that I had no use for, <laughs> you know, right? So that was kind of the issue with that. But um, yeah, so that was the story. And then I just started, uh, I put together a workshop. I started giving it and I've been giving it for 17 years. And then I went on to, um, then Kindle came in. So that was a whole nother issue because when I wrote the book with Jim, we sent out a few emails and made like $12,000. You know, we, it was a $29 book. Now all of a sudden Kindle was $2.99 mm -hmm. for a book. So I didn't like that, mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't want to do it and I was resistant, but eventually I saw that people wanted the number one bestseller ranking. So I was going in there with some of my clients doing some research and I just could see how it worked. And so I started doing that. I started doing number one bestseller launches and I have a hundred percent success rate 
taking myself and my clients um, to number one. And um, so that is what I have done. And then, you know, I've realized over the years that not everybody learns the same way. And so I put a lot of flexibility into my system, like the system works. But if you're a writer and you love writing, write. You know, if you're a speaker and you don't love to write, but you love to talk, then talk it, but still use the framework because the framework works. Beautiful. The guidelines work. Guidelines work. Yeah. So, and also just doing it that many times. I mean, I, you know, people would tell me what wasn't working. So, I mean, if somebody just is starting to, you know, write, write a book and then somebody says, oh, can you teach me how to do it? They don't have that years and years and years of experience of people telling you, well, what about this? What about that? You know, it's like I've put everything into it because I've had years to develop it. Beautiful. So I'm just curious about the similarities between songwriting and writing a book. Is okay. it the same thing? Are you going for the same goal? Yeah, it's interesting. I think if you have... Well, first of all, I know that this podcast is about passion. So I want to say I love songwriting and I love book writing. They're both wonderful. They're very different. But there are things that are the same. Number one, if you love to communicate with words, you, you, know, you can do that in, in both of them. To me, songs are really about quickly capturing the emotion. That's what it is. It's like you come up with a core idea, which is a hook. And in that, in that sense, it's similar to a, a book in that you need a title that's a hook for a book, right? So you've got a hook in both of them. But in a book, your subtitle is going to say, what is the benefit that people are going to get from reading this? And then your book is going to be about that. In a song, your hook is what really kind of what the core idea of the song is. And usually it's conveying an emotion. You know, I mean, there's only a few, right? It's like, you broke my heart. I'm in love with you. I want to be in love with you. You know, <laughs> most songs are about that. And so, but it's how do you say it in a way that is unique? And in that sense, it's the same with books. How do you say it in a way that is unique? How do you say it in a way that's going to stand out from the other books? How do you say it in a way that it's going to attract your ideal clients to say, that's the book I need to buy. Exactly. So yeah. you might have um, two medical doctors writing a book. Maybe they're both internists, but their books are going to look very different. Yeah. And I actually had a client who's a cardiologist and we went in to look at his topic. And it was very interesting because the negative reviews were all similar. They were all saying things like the diets uh, in the other books were too rigid. And this person isn't a medical doctor. I would never listen to him. Well, my cardiologist was a medical doctor and his diet was less rigid. And so that was the positioning that we took. Mm. So a lot of times it's, it's not rocket science. It's just looking at what's already out there looking at what you do and then saying, okay, where's the gap? You know, what are people looking for? And where's that gap that I can fill? And that was exactly what happened for me. I, I saw a gap that I could fill that I was very comfortable and excited about filling. And anybody can do that. Yeah. And I mean, do you think that anyone who is an expert should have a book so that it'll point to them? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Writing a book, first of all, it does, it does several things. One is it gives you more credibility and expert status, as I said. Two, it makes you more of the go-to person. And if people don't believe that, um, a really great example is there's a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he felt that he wasn't getting the respect from his industry. And he went to his team and he said, give me a hundred things that we could do to break out of this. So they did. And then they said, okay, he said, take it down to 10. So they took it to 10. And then he said, what's the one thing we could do that could change everything. And they said, write a book. And so he wrote a book and it, you know, he sold millions of copies and it's now the number one realty company in the United States. 
you know, for what, how they do it. So, yeah, I mean, it can be amazing. And a lot of times too, it ends up becoming a series. I mean, look at something like the E-Myth, you know, Michael Gerber wrote the E-Myth and then over time, he's now got them for like the E-Myth for architects, the E-Myth for other people, construction. I think there's one different ones. So yeah, um, definitely, you know, you can expand it. But the other thing is, is like, do you ever get tired of saying the same thing over and over? Yes. <laughs> we do that in our professions over and over. We say the same things. Right. But wouldn't it be easier if you could say, well, on that, to on that topic, read my book. Yes, that would be great. Yeah. And not only that, but it gives people a more in-depth experience with you because it takes them a while to read a book. They aren't going to read it in five minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. So they get to read the book and they get to, you know, feel um, whether they feel energetically connected to you, whether they like what you're saying and you can lay out your system, lay out what they can expect to get more of if they work with you and use that book. And then the other thing is using it, you know, as a business card, because people will throw out business cards, but people don't like to throw out books. No, they don't. Right? They hold on to their books, right? right? They hold on to their books. So here's a tip about holding on to the book. If you don't make the book long enough, then you won't have room on the spine to put the title and your name. So you want to really, if you're going to do it right, you want to make sure that your book is big enough that you can do that. Because then when people put it on the shelf, they see the title of the book and they see your name. And every time they go by there, they're reminded of you. Oh, that's really important. I never thought about that. My, no, yeah. mine is big enough, okay, but I've well, seen books like um, there's a really famous book that I read called The Power of You. And it almost mm -hmm. has like a, like a staple uh -huh. to hold it together. So there's no spine. Right. It's a great book but there's no spine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, it depends on how you're using it, what you want to use it for. And then the other thing is you can use it as a lead generator online as an ebook. So there's active money and there's passive money, right? So um, one thing that works really well is a free plus shipping offer. So that's where you offer the physical book and uh, then you get people's shipping address. But now even people like Frank Hearn said, ah, screw that. I'm just going to charge five bucks and give them the ebook. So, I mean, there, you know, there's no, there's no fast rule for how to do any of this. But, um, but you can make a lot more money when you use it as a lead generator in the sense of, you know, going to networking meetings, handing out books, just being seen as the, as the expert. When you do a free plus shipping offer, it's more of a passive, like you can put digital project products behind it, you know, lower mm -hmm. end products. But the good thing about that is, is that you can then use some of that money to advertise. And so then the more money you, you can put in from the more sales you get, the more you can advertise. It's like, it's like a self-fulfilling positive, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of the word, but anyway, so, so you start making more and more sales, you get more and more leads. And then the leads are what you really want to make the big money on the back end. Mm -hmm. So I bet a lot of people would like to know, since you have hundred percent success, how do you create a best seller? Ah, okay. The way you create a bestseller is by creating it, creating the foundation. Like we create the foundation for a bestseller when people come into my three-day bestseller program, which is a writing program. It's not a launching program. Now, if people come into the launching, then I have to take them back and do some remedial work to get them to there. So it's exactly what I said. You have to know who your ideal, you have to figure out who your ideal audience is. You have to figure out what problem you solve. You have to figure out how to position it so that it stands out from the other books and gives them exactly what they want. And then you have to understand how to communicate it. And that's what I help my clients do is finding the right way to communicate what they're doing. And then there's some little things that are actually big things, but people don't think about like the whole reason to write a book is you want people to take the next step with you, right? You want to get them into your world. 
And I would say, so, I mean, I hate to give an exact number, but 80, 90% of the authors that I talk to who come to me and they've already written a book or they're in process, they haven't even thought about what their call to action is. So, you know, when I say to them, well, what do you want people to do after they read this book? I don't know. And I said, well, what are you teaching? You know, and then, then we have to work on, okay, what's going to be the best thing to send them to, to get them off of wherever they are. I mean, what if they went to Amazon and they bought your book and they don't know you from Adam, you've got to get them into your world. You've got to get them onto either your email list or into a Facebook group or something. You've got to get, take them somewhere. So, uh, so that's really important. But again, if you set your book up to be a bestseller, here's the thing, you can't write it and they will come. That doesn't work. <laughs> you have to market your book. But if you've set it up properly, it's not hard to become a number one bestselling author because you've created it that way. You've created it knowing what the audience wants, knowing that you are confident about what you're teaching, knowing that it works. You know, I had somebody come to me recently and he wanted to work with me. And I said, you're not ready. He hadn't worked with a single client yet. <laughs> so I was like, you know, you need to work with some people and you need to work out what your system's going to be. And you need to make sure that it works. And then once you know that it works, then we can talk about writing a book. Well, for sure. I know I've read books where I, I know they never did it. <laughs> they never did what they're telling you to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's really important is knowing your stuff. I can teach people to write a book in three days or less. That part is not hard. I can't tell you what to teach them, right? You have to know your process. You have to know what you're doing. And by the way, the reason that I can teach people to do it in three days, I'm going to give you a couple of my secrets. One is do an outline. Okay, do an outline. But here's what most people do instead. They start with either a brain dump, which to me is the absolute worst thing to do because it's completely unorganized. And all that does is make my eyes glaze over and I wouldn't know what to do with all that information. Um, so you don't want to do that. And then the other thing is they do book research before they're going to write the book but they haven't done the marketing research to even know what they should write. So now they create, they do all this book market, um, book marketing. And a lot of times it's just a way to procrastinate and not write your book. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm researching. I'm researching. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'll keep researching. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, the fat, the, the fastest way to get nothing done basically, you know, is to do that. The other thing is to schedule what gets scheduled, what gets done. And one of the things that I see for people, and this boggled my mind, 81% um, of people want to write a book and less than 2% ever will. And That's a, a way, huge number. I know, but wait, wait, it gets better. And of the 2%, only 3% ever finish. <gasps> so Is that mind boggling? Many people are, begin writing a book and never finish it. Never finish. And here's the thing that I have found, just observing authors, working with authors, is that when authors take a long time to write a book, they lose interest. And one of the reasons they lose interest is because they're growing, right? If you're a lifetime learner and an expert and you're constantly growing and changing and learning, I'll, I'll, they'll say to me something like, well, I'm not the same person I was last year when I started this book. I don't want to write this book now. I want to write this other book because now they're excited about what they're learning now or what they're doing now. And so that's why, to me, it's so important to do it in a very short period of time so that it gets done. You know, it gets done and it gets out so people can learn from where you are now and then write another one when you get to next year, you know, if, if you're in a different place and you feel to do that. But that's what happens is they lose interest because it just drags on too long. And so that's one of my secrets is I have a, a system and a setup so people write it quickly. And that's how everyone wants things these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fast and efficient. Yeah. And it works. I mean, I, I don't know of any of my clients. I, I, I take that back. I have one client who took five years to write a book. But in her case, it was like, 
she felt like she had to grow to a certain point before she could write what she wanted to write. I can't, I can lead, I can lead people to how to do it, but I can't make them if they've got some mindset about how it should be done or how, you know, what they have to know to do it. But um, yeah, but to me, having a book is the best thing to do when you have a system that works. And not only that, but how many things do we do that go out of style so, so fast, right? We're still reading books that were written hundreds of years ago. They're not going out of style. Uh-huh. That's true. I have some really old books I've been reading. So yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. But so, you know, this thing about passion, mm-hmm. um, one of my mentors says, and I, I love this. I don't know that I completely agree, but she says, you know, she loves her business, but her business is not her passion because passion is like out of control, unbridled you know, like you're almost crazy, you know, like crazy in love, passion or whatever. Um, and I, and I do understand what she means in the sense that I, I love writing books and I love my business, but there's something that's for me writing songs. It's like when I'm in the zone and I'm writing a song, it's like my religion. I can't explain it, but it's just, you know, it's this, it's this experience that just, you know, lights me up in a, in a different way. But when I started my business, I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I did not have a clue. And I got in at a time where it was easy because there wasn't a lot of information out there yet. And people were hungry for it. And I didn't have to be good at marketing. I just had to show up and teach what I taught. And that was it until it didn't work anymore. But um, now it's a totally different ball game. And so, uh, the thing of it was, was that I kept thinking, oh, it'll just be a couple of years and then I'll get back to my songwriting. Oh, it'll just be a couple more years and I'll get back to my songwriting. And this just kept going on and on and on. And all of a sudden, I mean, I was so unhappy and I was like, oh my God, decades have gone by literally. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done anything with my songwriting, you know, and just scrolling through social media and watching television and everything else. And I said to myself, this is not okay. It's just not okay because it's a part of my soul that is not being nourished. Mm -hmm. And so uh, two, three years ago, I started writing again. And I'll tell you in the beginning, it was hard. I mean, it was like that fear that, oh my God, I lost my mojo. I can't do this. This is terrible. And then eventually, you know, it started to come back. But um, do I regret having, you know, not done it all those years? Absolutely, I do. So I just want to say to people, you know, if you have a passion, don't let it linger. I actually heard uh, Armin Morin is one of my early um, mentors. He was the one that, that uh, put on the big seminar. And he's also uh, a musician, mm-hmm. a songwriter. And I saw at one point, he actually was beating out all these big artists on billboard because he has an amazing marketing machine. And he said, you know, if you have a passion, then do it on the weekends, you know, find time to do it. And I, and for years, I mean, I'd heard him say that and I still didn't do it. (laughs) I still didn't do it. And I can't even tell you why I didn't do it, but I can tell you that when I started doing it, I was a lot happier. So that's all I can say about that. You know, yeah, just so really important to engage in things that we love, that light yeah. us up, that make us feel good, make us alive. Absolutely. So that's really my main message to your audience, you know, is do what you love. And if, you know, writing a book speaks to you, then I would love to work with you. Awesome. So we're talking a lot about passion. We're talking about writing songs. I love you. I want to leave you, you know, those <laughs> type of things. So tell me about you how how long have you been married and how does your love story go oh my god my love story is crazy um i met my husband when i was 32 we were or maybe it was 31 i don't know anyway somewhere around there we were friends for a year we met at a spiritual group uh in the valley in los angeles where i grew up and one night we were just sitting on the couch in my mom's house. And all of a sudden, all I remember is we were making out. That was it. <laughs> that was it. But um, 
but so we were together for five years before we got married and I was hesitant to get married because he was a lot older than I am so he's 22 years older than I am so now I'm 69 he's 91 (laughs) wow yeah and we've been together more than half my life you know but at that time um, I was heavily into the songwriting and I said to him, this is my life. And if you want to come along, great. And if not, adios, because this is what I'm doing. Um, I, had, I had gotten out of graduate school. I had gone two years. I had one more year left. My parents thought I was crazy to leave. I had a wonderful boyfriend who was just totally the wrong person for me. I loved his family. So when we broke up, I wasn't just breaking up with him. I was breaking up with his whole family and it was devastating, but I had become agoraphobic because I wasn't living my life. And I actually ended up in therapy. This is kind of an aside, but I ended up in therapy and it was my therapist who said, I think you'd be a great songwriter. And I was like, really? Cause that was not even in my consciousness. I come from a professional family. That was ridiculous. But I lived right down the street from UCLA. And so I went and I fell in love with it. So by the time I met my husband, I was like adamantly like, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. And he was like, cool. Okay. And so he went to audio recording school and learned to become a a recording engineer. And we had a blast for many years doing that. Yeah. But we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. I mean, when you get older, things start happening you know, and also we've been through a lot with the business too. I mean, I, I, as I said, I was very naive and I had a situation where I trusted somebody and I was making really good money. We were living at the beach and all of a sudden my cash flow just dried up because I trusted somebody that I was getting this contract that I didn't end up getting and we ended up evicted. And um, so we've been through eviction, we've been through homelessness, we've been through bankruptcy, and we've been through all the normal entrepreneur horror stories, you know, but, um, but we've been through them together. And a lot of my songs are about him. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. In fact, my Grammy nominated song was about him. It's called I Could Get Used to This. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really nice. Yeah, written in the earlier years. Yeah. So yeah, he was my muse, you know, mm-hmm. for many, many years. Um, he still so, is in some ways, but it, I, it changes. It changes when you've been together as long as we have. So you what know. causes that stickiness? You know, a lot of people want to know, what? how do you keep it together? Because obviously you've been through a lot of things and a lot of those things you talked about oh, would yeah. definitely split people up. Absolutely. But you guys had some kind of, some kind of, I call it stickiness. They yes. have you right next to each other. Yes. Is there anything you can share that you think helped with that? Oh, absolutely. One, you don't go to bed angry. Two, you communicate your feelings. I mean, one of the things that made me fall in love with him, I remember one time, we were, I don't even remember what I said or what I did, but he looked at me and he goes, he goes, Ellen, you are getting on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> he actually told me that mm-hmm. I thought that was great mm-hmm. you know um we have a lot of humor you know we laugh at situations that other people would probably start throwing knives at each other mm-hmm. you know we've learned to just laugh um, and part of it is acceptance like I'm kind of ditzy you know I mean in the sense that um I can be disorganized you know cre- I'm a creative person I mean I can be disorganized uh, I can forget things believe me all the time and stuff like that. And he's more like he wants, you know, things to be ordered or in a certain, certain way or whatever. Just the other day, he was standing next to me at the kitchen uh, sink and, and he's got this, I don't know, I think it was a plate and a spoon and he's got that look on his face. And I go, what? He goes, I need to wash these. And I go, why do you need to wash them right now? And he says, because this is my spoon and my dish and I use the same one over and over I said well tough shit here use a new spoon and a new fork and get out of here you know (laughs) but but he'll get really you know focused in that way like it's done a certain way and Mm -hmm. I'm like yeah whatever you know (laughs) so um so sometimes he'll laugh at the way I am sometimes I'll laugh at the way he is you know but we just we accept each other's quirkinesses Mm -hmm. and the main thing is is we have the same values 
we have, you know, we believe in the same things. And I think that's what's important, you know, is really the humor, the communication and the values. We like each other. Yeah, I think that's, that's important to like the other person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm going through something. I won't go into the details because it's not mine to give, but I'm going through something with someone where I love them, but I'm not liking them very much right now, mm. you know? And so that's what I mean when I say I, my husband and I, we like each other. I think that's key. Yeah, yeah, because we were, you know, we were friends first. And I think that's really important. He is my best friend. So mm. I'll tell you, when we, we, I did reach a point at one point where I was at a breaking point, I was thinking of leaving. And I remember what went through my head, because he had just kind of checked out emotionally about some things that were going on at that time. And that was not okay. But I remember what went through my head was, he's my best friend. He's my family. How can I leave him? I can't imagine life without him. And that was really the thing that kept me fighting for the relationship at that point. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to change topics for a second here. Yeah. So um, especially in light of the things that have been happening the last few years, mm-hmm. for me, freedom of speech is so huge. I want to have this podcast so that I have a voice, but I want to give a voice to anyone so they actually can express themselves mm-hmm. however they want to. Now I have a family show there. So there's some, certain people I wouldn't let them express on my show, right, right. but, but I mean, I think everyone should be able to express themselves or, 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 or talk about what they want to talk about. And I think it has the books are the same way. I mean, what do you feel about that? Should people be able to just write whatever they want to write? Well, again, I think it goes back to what's the purpose? Like, why are they writing it? I mean, yeah, people can write whatever they want to write, but why? Like, why are you doing it? You know, but that reminds me, I want to say something. I, I have a partner, actually. I mean, we've been working together since... I think 2013, politically, we don't agree on anything, (laughs) but our values are the same and we support each other. And sometimes he'll, he'll do these posts just to piss people off, (laughs) you know, and I'll go, Oh God, you know, but, um, but we respect each other. And so like, I don't have to agree with everybody. You know, but what I will say is, I, I remember somebody came to me and he wanted me to uh, edit and publish his book, and I refused to do it. And the reason I refused to do it was the premise of his book seemed to me that he wanted women to be back in the 1950s. And I was like, no, I'm not helping you do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh, later we talked and he said, oh, that wasn't my intention. I said, well, if that wasn't your intention, you didn't write it the way you intended because that's the way it came out Mm -hmm. you know so yeah um I don't think any book should be banned I think I don't want to get into a big political discussion but I'll just say when people start when 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 politics runs over into people starting to ban books look out because that's what happens when authoritarian regimes emerge is when they start trying to uneducate people and ban books and all this crazy stuff. So I am not for banning books. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that we're going to be doing is there's a a librarian, I can't remember the name of it right now, but there is a, an association that is fighting banning books and we will be giving uh, money to that. And, and uh, that is my cause is not letting books be banned. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I can think of even some childhood story books that I loved. And, you know, as a young mother, I said, I'm going to go find that book because I want to read it to my child. Lo and behold, that book is banned. Are you kidding? Why would you want to read that to your child? Because it was a great book. Yeah. I mean, it's getting crazy. I mean, some of the things like, oh, the Disney character is actually gay or something, you know. Oh, it gets ridiculous. So, you know, I agree. I mean, there should be a platform for, you know, people to express themselves. Now, I may not agree with a lot of people, (laughs) what they, 
what they're saying, but to be able to for to let one group or one person be able to squish the voices of another group, I think is totally wrong. Yeah, I would just say that there's a difference between like fact and opinion. And I wish that that were more clearly defined. Like when somebody is writing an opinion piece, that's fine. If somebody's writing a nonfiction book, that's fine. Just be clear about what it is so that people are not misled. Yes, I love that. I love that too. So if people wanted to work with you, um, tell us where they can find you and what services you have available. Well, thank you for asking. Um, they can find me at booksopendoors.com booksopendoors.com. And then we have a Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash books open doors. And what we have is there's the coaching and there's author services. So we do have a ghostwriting division. We have a publishing for self-publishing people who want their own imprint. And the reason is that when we talked about this earlier, is I didn't like people taking my publishing as a songwriter. And so I swore I would not take other people's publishing. So I help people who want their own imprint, who want to self-publish, walk them through the process, but I do not take publishing. Okay, I want to make that really clear. And, um, but we do, my signature program it starts with the writing, which is the three-day bestseller program. And um, from there, people can have us, you know, do the publishing, editing, formatting, book covers, the whole deal. So they don't have to go running all over the place trying to find different people to do every piece and then worry whether they're going to do a good job. So we've been doing this a long time. And, um, and then if people want to do a free plus shipping offer, we're just, I'm just opening that up uh, this year. So they'll be getting a really good deal on that one because I still need testimonials for that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that's really what we do. It's really shepherding people through the whole process so that they learn how to write books quickly, professionally, have them uh, published so that they're seen, they're visible, and that they can use them as a jumping off place uh, to become a number one bestseller, to get on bigger stages. I had one client who wanted to get on stages in the worst way and he just could not get on and we did his book we made him a number one bestseller in six categories and within less than two months he was on his first summit stage wow that's awesome yeah i've had other people i have a client who was on the bestseller list for three years that was that's my longest one that was amazing it was very niched very niche book but he took his book to an event with kevin harrington and Kevin saw the book, loved the book, brought him on stage. They talked about his book for almost an hour. And he ended up mentoring with Kevin. He got offered a, an all expense paid to Singapore to speak. And he was already coaching, consulting with corporations. And now he just says he just makes more money than he ever made before. And now he's written a second book. So, um, you know, that's the other thing is once you learn the process, you can do this over and over over and over and the more you do the more credibility but also it's such an easy way let me just say this you know people don't realize it's like once you learn the process and you know how to make your books a best a number one bestseller it is such an easy process to use to grow your email list mm -hmm. and therefore grow your business and it's just a positive cycle it's like every time you do it it just gets bigger and bigger I had a client come to me earlier this year. He was spending all this money on AMS ads and Facebook ads and all this stuff. And he was losing money left and right. I said to him, and he had already launched his book before. And I said, well, why don't you do a book promotion? A promotion and a launch is the same thing. It's just one is a new book and one is a book that's been out a while. So we did the promotion and bam, he sold books. You know, I don't remember exactly how many he sold, but the point is that it works. You know, it's like, once you know how to do it, it works and it works every single time. And that's what I love about it. I love the consistency of it because I know how many things have I tried to do where it didn't work. <laughs> more, more things that I care to even talk about, yeah. you know. Once you find that silver bullet, you just keep it, you just hold on to it. Yeah. And the reason that is, is, is because once you've got it set up right, there are all these announcement sites. There's a whole cottage industry that grew up around Kindle. 
And they've been growing these lists for years. So even if you have no list of your own, we can start by putting them in their lists. And we can also put them in, in the right groups. And, and we just have a process that works. I have a great team that does this. They, I don't even know how they do it. They won't tell me because they have their secret sauce, but it works. And so that's what I'm saying is like, you know, people will say, well, how many books do I have to sell to be a number one bestseller? And I say, you have to sell one book more than whoever is number one right now. That's how many you have to sell. Well, I want to be a New York Times bestselling author. Well, you got to sell a lot of books to do that. So you either have to spend $100,000 or more, or you have to get to the point where you have a huge following, JV partners, relationships. But you can start right now being a number one best-selling author and use it to grow so that you can then become a USA Today and a New York Times or whatever, you know, whatever your big goal is. But you have to start, you know, and if you already have a big list, great. You know, we can we can start from there. But people don't understand that a big even a big list, it has to be a really big list. Because remember, you send out your emails, you're only going to get a percentage of those people, right, who are going to open it. And then a percentage of those people are going to go to Amazon, a percentage of those people are going to actually buy. So you have to have a really big list. But to be a number one bestseller, just follow the process. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a personal question now. What okay. gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life at this point? I already told you. When I come up with a lyric and it just flows like I'm laying in bed and I'm just, you know, just doing my songwriting and all of a sudden it just all falls into place. I'm like in heaven. That's my happy place. I also love the beach. <laughs> Sitting on a beach doing nothing. <laughs> I love the beach. With my husband. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for sharing all your wisdom and ideas about book writing. And maybe we'll get a lot more people to start writing a book now that they know there's a system. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. If you have a business and you know how to get a transformation to people, don't wait. Don't wait for someday because you don't know. Beautiful. And I have one last question before we finish. Okay. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? Follow your passion. Beautiful. You know, and, but I want to say something about that. Cause I know like even my health coaches follow your passion, but we still sometimes have to make a living. Right. So following your passion doesn't always mean like just, you know, throw everything else out and go follow your passion. Sometimes you have to create a plan or you have to create a way to pay for it, right? So do that, you know, create your plan, make sure that it's not just a dream, but it's a goal and it's a goal with steps so that you can get there. All right, well, thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay.